thank you. If you keep your hands together, let's welcome anybody joining us online. Come on, put your hands together, make them feel welcome. Really hope you'll enjoy your time with us wherever you are. And welcome to part two of this series called Empowered. I want to pick up from Dr. Nkuru's brilliant message last week. And the title for today is Empowered for Victory. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the phrase empowered for victory. What one thing I think of as I go back to, to last year when Zia and I were heading off on our annual cycle camping holiday. Get your hand around that. And it, here's a couple of photographs, one from the previous year and one from last year. Now, can you see the big change that's taken place? It's not that we're not in France. It's not that we haven't got our helmets on. It's that we've got electric bikes. Now, I know some of you cyclists, you're going, you're traitors. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know what an electric bike is, it's basically a bike with power. That means you can do all kinds of things you can't normally do. You can go further for less effort. Yeah, you can carry more weight than you can normally carry. I got to take a spare pair of socks. And more than anything, you can overcome obstacles you can't normally overcome. How many of you know what the big obstacle is for, those, for being a cyclist? The wind. It's not mountains. They're a problem. It's the wind. This power in an e-bike enables you to overcome that nasty, unseen, constant problem called the wind. How many of you want to be empowered for victory? Now, of course, today we're talking about something a bit more serious than just cycling, important as that is to some of us. And I wonder how many of you, when you hear that empowered for victory, what you think of are things you want to see God do this year in your workplace, your relationships, your family, your body, stuff. How many of you got, yeah, I'm expecting God's going to do some stuff this year we've not seen before. Amen. But actually, when we come to the passage today, it's not so much about those things really important as they are, it's about what's going on on the inside of us. As we come to today's passage, we've been working our way through the book of Luke and we come to like a, an in-between bit. Okay, last week we saw Jesus leaving his 30 years of, of mostly obscurity, get filled with the Holy Spirit and you think, right, he's ready now. He's ready to go and do his public ministry. No, we're going to see that next week when we see Jesus step into the ministry where the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Everywhere he went, heaven invaded earth. How many looking forward to that? Me too. But I need you equally excited about, we're in the in-between bit. Now this is really important, okay? What we see today is that private victory always precedes public victory. And actually, when we come to this passage today, this kind of in-between bit, Jesus is in that place of facing a private battle. Well, we see at the start of our passage today, Luke 4, verses 1 to 2, we read, we read this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, okay, he's full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by that same Spirit, where? Into the wilderness, Okay, not yet public ministry, the wilderness. He's there on his own for 40 days where he was tempted by the devil. Okay, now this is Jesus' place of private victory. Nobody else is witnessing it. He's really, in many senses, he is revealing to you and me that even Jesus faced these kind of wrestles before he was ready for his public victory. And if it's true for Jesus, 
How many of you know it's going to be true for you and me? Now, I don't have time to unpack the passage, but just look at it yourself sometime properly and you will see these are real temptations that Jesus faced. And yet because he overcame, he won in the private place, he was ready for the public place. Now, I wonder today, what is your private victory that you need to win this year, this season, in order to be ready for all that God has got for you? You know, some of you, as soon as I said that, you knew what I was talking about. You're thinking of those fears, those anxieties that have that way of stopping you stepping into everything the Father has for you. But also, some of you, you, you've got great plans for this year. You're excited about this year, and that's great. But you're also intimidated by some of the obstacles that stand in the way. How am I going to get the finance for this? How am I going to get over that issue? That's the same thing, is to learn God is able to bring you through into a place of public victory. So what I want to share with you today is two things. Two things we see in Jesus that you and I can do this year that will bring us to a place of new measures of private victory. So the first one is this. Number one, spirit-empowered fasting. (laughs) Say fasting. No, no, fasting, not fasting, fasting. (laughs) Proper Bible. Okay, we read this. Jesus said, sorry, Luke says, talking of Jesus, he ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. So here we have it, the first key to private Victory, living, being empowered for private victory is spirit-empowered fasting. Just to keep on the page. Now, before I take another step, some of you, if you're anything like me many years ago, you see that number, 40 days fasting, and you go, no, I can't go 40 minutes without food. 40 days. Now, please don't be put off by that number. Okay, we're going to come back to it in a minute. I, think, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who's done a 40-day fast. I'm very grateful that when I first joined Kingsgate, we started on a one-day-a-month fast. We were training ourselves to be ready to fast longer. I can remember thinking, I will die. <laughs> How can I possibly handle this? And if you're feeling like that, it's okay. You're in a safe Place. But I am grateful for you and to do, we learn to do one day a month and then three days a month. And I want to tell you, if you will commit to this over time, you will train even your tummy to be able to go without food. <laughs> My understanding is medically, unless you've got a medical reason not to fast, you can fast. Now, of course, the question is then, why would you fast? Well, what is the point of fasting? And if you look broader in the Bible, it's very clear that fasting, when attached to something else, brings huge breakthroughs. Let let me give you five very quick examples. Check these out for yourself. 2 Chronicles 20, the people fast and pray. They experience supernatural protection and deliverance. Daniel chapter 9, a man in new prayer. He starts fasting. He gets new breakthrough power in his prayer. Nehemiah needs a breakthrough with people in authority. He fasts. He gets favor with a king. Uh, Jesus, so the disciples are trying to pray for people to be healed and get freedom from. They can't do it. Jesus comes. He prays. They get free. Fasting releases those people from sickness and bondage. The, The disciples are not clear about what God's got for them next. They pray. They fast. God brings the breakthrough. It's clear. They need guidance. How many of you want any of those things in 2024? Okay, Fasting is key to those breakthroughs. And some of them will only happen 
because you fast and do other things. Now, the thing that the point today I want to drive home though is really about private victory, not so much those big public victories. So why, why is fasting so important? Uh, David writes this, Psalm 35, 13. He says, I humbled my soul with fasting. Now, this, this is so important. I, I really hope some of you today will actually get excited about fasting. Okay, my stomach is never excited about fasting, but my soul and my spirit are excited about it because of what God does. Let me explain. If you read the Bible wider, it says that we are made really of three elements, a spirit, a soul, and a body, as this diagram will show. Your spirit, that is the place where you connect with God. Your soul is made up of three things, your mind. Anyone had any thoughts over? Emotions, anyone have feelings? Two of you, okay, I'm sure some more of you do too. And will anyone ever make a choice? And ever make a bad choice? Okay, that's your will. And you have a body, okay, just check it, give it a little nip. Okay, it's a wonderful gift of creation. Now, those three things, they're all integrated. But for the sake of simplicity, this is the way God has made us. Now, God's plan for your life and for my life is that we should live in this, the way shown in this second diagram. When someone becomes a Christian, this is the wonder of what it means to be a Christian. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S, comes to dwell in your spirit, small s. He dwells there as we saw last week with Jesus and he comes to fill us and now he wants to redeem your soul. He wants to work with you in such a way that you end up with a renewed mind, redeemed emotions and a will that's submitted to his will and a body that actually aligns with the work of the Spirit, which sounds like a miracle to me and to many of you. But that's exactly what God wants for you. Now, how many of you admit you occasionally, even though you might be a Christian, you occasionally have a thought that's not helpful? Oh, come on. Or a feeling that's not helpful. Now, this is where fasting comes in. This is why fasting is so powerful because in fasting what we're doing is we're saying God I don't want to just live from my body I don't want to just live from my soul I want to live from that core where my Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside and because I've been born again the same power that was on Jesus is now in me so those things can change with his help in Jesus name let, let, let me illustrate to you so um when I first started fasting, I, I always feel like when I fast, that one thing that happens is the broken places of my soul get revealed. Now, one of the things that I've wrestled with for years is impatience. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> now, impatience will get you off the will of God. Do you know that? Impatience will prevent you living in the plan that he has for your life. It will, it will stop you from waiting for him to tell you what to do. But I found, as soon as I started fasting, man, everyone got so annoying. They're all just so irritating. It was like people would cut you up in the car and they'd be like, oh, they'd be too slow. And you're like, yeah, move on. I've got places to, anybody else? Okay, now what's there? So what's happening there is my eating, which is a good thing, okay? Food is a good thing. My eating has masked my impatience. So what's the answer? Is it go and eat a bun? Every time you feel impatient, go and eat a bun, Simon. Is that the answer? No, it's not. It's go, oh, 
Jesus, I need your help because I have dwelling on the inside of me and so do you, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of whose presence is patience. So if I can, while I fast and then afterward, learn to go, Jesus, I'm sorry I'm so impatient. Holy Spirit, would you come and help me right now? Now, does that mean that in one moment everything changes? Sadly, no. My soul needs a lot of training, anybody else's. My body needs a lot of training to come into line. But as I consistently, patiently, enduringly go, Lord, help me, it will change over time. And you will start to see changes that you couldn't imagine are possible. Now, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be stepping into uh, another three days of fasting. Um, And I want to encourage you, if you are, I know many of you at Kingsgate, you're already regular fasters. Let's go again. Can we go with a new measure of faith to expect that other people, or maybe you, who are dealing with issues of fear or anxiety or insecurity or long-standing patterns of sin, they're going to get broken during that time as we fast with God's help. Anyone agree with that? Jesus' name. But I also want to say to those of you who've never fasted, make a start, okay? Make it, maybe it's one meal this time. You miss a meal. If, you, if, you're, if there's no medical reason not to fast, miss a meal. You won't die. You might get hungry, but that won't kill you. You are not starving, even if your body tells you are. And when you feel that, turn it to, Lord, help me to stay on track with your plan. So number one, the first key to living, seeing victory in the private ace is spirit-empowered fasting, occasional spirit-empowered fasting. The second key is regular spirit-empowered feasting. How many fancy a bit of feasting? <laughs> You're like, you don't mean food, do you, Simon? Like, no, I don't mean food. I don't mean natural food, I mean spiritual food. So when we talk about spirit-empowered feasting, we look at this same passage. We're talking about getting hold of what's in this amazing book in a way that it changes our lives. Now, I want to take you back to uh, the passage that we were looking at in Luke chapter 4. And what we see here is that we're like the heat of the battle where Jesus is being confronted by the devil who's trying to unsettle him, derail him, get him to question his sense of identity. And you'll never face that battle. He's trying to get him to undermine that, get him to cut things short, get off the Father's plan for his life. And we're going to see how Jesus deals with that. Okay, now I'm only going to read one of them to you. But what I want you to do, maybe after today, go and read the rest of it and just see how Jesus deals with it. So the first temptation that comes is the devil, we read this in verse three, it says, the devil said to Jesus, if, anyone ever had that sense? Right, that thought come to you, you know, if you were a Christian, if you were properly following Jesus, you'd do this and this. Well, that's how the devil works. He comes to just undermine with subtle suggestions. If you are the son of God. And then he's saying, now prove it. Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now what's going on here? What's happening? And read the rest for yourselves sometime. The devil comes with a real temptation, a real test. Jesus' response in every case is our words taken directly from the Bible. Now hear this, this is interesting. It's not Jesus' words in a sense although they kind of are, but you get the idea. They're actually taken directly from the Bible. And Jesus, the way that he deals with the devil here, with his temptation, his private battles, is he speaks out of the Bible into that situation. 
Now, I think we need to ask why. Why were Jesus' words so powerful? How many of you like to see, you speak out, do not fear, and the fear goes? How many of you like to, to speak out, I want, don't be anxious for anything, and the anxiety goes? Well, that's what's happening here. That, Jesus is facing a real private battle. The Word of God is powerful in him and out of his mouth. Now, let me tell you, what, this is what's happening. Ephesians 6, 17, we read this. Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, remember, this is Spirit-empowered feasting, which is the Word of God. Now, for those of you who are new to us, the Word of God means the Bible. But when Paul writes that, uh, in the original Greek, there are two Greek words for the word, word. Okay, do you get what I'm saying? So when you see, see the word, word, oh, don't get confused, Simon. Uh, there are two Greek words that, that we, we translate as the word, word. One of them is logos. <laughs> logos means the general writing in the Bible, which we believe is no ordinary book. It's God's spiritual food for you and me. Read the Bible, read Logos, and it will change your life. But there's another Greek word translated word, which is arema. And arema, which is what Paul writes about in Ephesians 6, is when the Holy Spirit takes what's written here that's got into you, and when it's spoken out of your mouth, it's not just a word, it's a sword of the Spirit. So that in the spiritual word world, it's like God takes that word and boom, the fear goes. Boom, the anxiety has to disappear. The works of darkness have to flee because there's a sword that's coming literally and sent out of your mouth. How many of you want to experience a bit more of that? Well, let's be clear here. Jesus is not simply wrote learning something that then comes out of his mouth. This word that he's been reading has so got in him it's changed the way, well, it's not changed. It's the way he thinks, it's the way he feels, and it's the way he speaks, so that when he says that, darkness has to flee because it's coming from a place of utter authority in his name. Nothing about you, I want more of that for my life. Now, let me give you then three things. How are you doing then on feeding your spirit? How are you doing on that? So let me give you three things. I think the first thing is you need a feeding plan. I don't mean your natural diet, your supernatural diet. As you look ahead into these weeks and months, simple question, what's your plan for reading the Bible? How, how often are you gonna eat the Word, listen to the Word, read the Word? I know many of you already have started. Keep going, but come with a new sense of expectancy. If you've no idea, never read the Bible before, we're delighted that you're here. I would say go to Nicky Gumbel's Bible in one year. It's fantastic and he will help you learn how to feed. Second thing is learn to say your grace. Okay, when I, when I was a kid, many, 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 many years ago, my mum taught us to pray before we ate natural food. And I've learned if you want to eat spiritual food, it's really important to pray first because this is not primarily a rational exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. And you need, how many of you need help to read the Bible? Yeah, me too. And how many of you want this to become food to your spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's with you. He comes to help you, not just understand it, but actually make God real to you. I'll often, when I come to read the Bible, I'll often take Ephesians 1, which is on the screen behind me, and I use it as my prayer, and I say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you love the Bible. 
Thank you that you love to make Jesus real to me, the Father real to me. Holy Spirit, while I read today's chunk, while I feed on it, please, would you make him real to me today? And you know, for some of you, if you started doing that regularly, it will transform the way in which you read the Bible and you'll feel like your spirit is getting fed. Third thing, you say you need a feeding plan, you need to say your grace, and third, you need to consume the word. Let's be clear here. Don't settle for a nibble here and there. Don't settle for a spiritual snack. Let me ask you, how strong do you want your spirit to be? Well, then you need to feed it with a commensurate amount of spiritual food in order for it to be strong for you to deal with what God wants you to deal with. But I want to encourage you to, to do a number of things. As you read the Bible, if you've got your feeding plan, your reading, try and slow down. Try not to just say, oh, I've got to get it done and then tick the box. No, just, just slow down. The Holy Spirit, in my experience, walks about two miles an hour. He's with you. He's never in a rush. It's like, okay, just slow down. As you read the words, taste the flavours. Feel what God's saying to you in the midst of it and invite, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I would encourage you to ask him for a word or a phrase or a verse that you can get hold of that becomes not logos, but rhema to you. It ceases just to be something you're written, but it starts to get in you. It starts to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you behave, particularly when you get yourself into the midst of the pressure. Let, let me give you an example. Um, one of my private battles over many years has been a, a battle for security. Any, anybody else ever face that? Two of you, I believe you like anything. Yeah, come on. Um, or sense of identity of who you actually are. Now, and I, and this is about 10 years ago now, and I was at my, the funeral for my mum. My dad had died when I was a little boy, and I'm at the funeral, so it's all done, and I'm, I'm with people who'd known me since I was a little boy, because we were back at my mum and dad's church. <laughs> One of them comes up to me. How many of you know people say stupid things at funerals? Yeah, I heard a very loud yeah over there. Okay. <laughs> right. So this guy comes up to me, he says, Simon, you're an orphan. <laughs> now, what he didn't know was... We'd already started fasting as a church, and I'd been meditating for years on actually what the Bible says about me. Now that, that phrase, you and orphan, would have crushed me years before that, but I'd been meditating on it. And, and actually on the inside of me, what rose up was, actually, I've got a dad. He, he, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He's big, he's strong, he's wise, he's kind. And many years ago, he adopted me into his family. Actually, I'm not an orphan. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a son of the king. And he's my dad, and I'm his boy. <laughs> I said something like that to him anyway. And it was actually an automatic response. And at the end of it, I wanted to go, so mer. <laughs> now, I don't know what God wants to do in your life this year, but I believe he wants to do something where you become as automatic as that, that areas of your life where you've been living with struggles or barriers, God wants to do something significant in you this year where actually you can say so myrrh to some things of darkness because you're living at a new level of freedom. And it's bringing those two things together. Okay, it's the incredible compound power of spirit-empowered fasting and spirit-empowered feasting will change your life. Might not be in a moment, but I almost guarantee you in the long run, you will win those battles 
in Jesus' name. Well, wherever, wherever you are today, we're going to take a few moments to respond to what we've, we've just heard. So wherever you are, I wonder if you'd just stand with me wherever you are. I'd like to take a moment, if you're able, to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to, to worship together. I want to pray. We're going to, in a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to, it's a, sing a song that's really a declaration of our confidence in Jesus. And in that song, it's really a, kind of the core of the, the, the song is God is with us in the battle. How many of you are glad God is with us in the battle? Okay, now I, I know many of you in this room and probably online as well, you've got a miracle that you want to see happen this coming year. God is with you, He's for you in that. And there's often a private victory to win before the public victory. So when we sing that song in a moment, we're declaring the presence of Jesus. But I want to just, just before we, we sing that song, I want to just pray for two groups of people. So if you just mind just closing your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up nice and high if you're in either of these two groups of people. Number one, as soon as I talked about private victory, and I asked you, what's your battle? You knew exactly what I meant. You could identify it, you were clear about it. Just, just lift your hand. I'm not gonna ask you forward, just lift your hand. Okay, thank you. And it's almost like, keep your hand up. It's almost like you're waving at God and going, I don't wanna live with this anymore, Lord, help me. But then second, there's another group of people. You, you're very excited about 2024 for really good reasons, but you are intimidated by some of the obstacles you feel standing ahead of you. And you, you know you're gonna need help to get past them. Would you lift, you, would you lift your hand? So, and if you're both, lift both hands. Okay, I'm lifting both hands, okay. I wanna just pray for you, and then we're gonna sing this song. I'm gonna pray for you. For, for a release of fresh power in your life. And then when we sing the song and we declare Jesus is with us, He's with us by the power of the Spirit. So He comes alongside you to help in the battle. In fact, just say these words after me. Heavenly Father, I thank You. You have given me the same Holy Spirit who rested on Jesus. Infinite power, perfect love dwells on the inside of me. So today, Holy Spirit, I call on you. I ask you, give me new measures of power. And this year, as I fast and as I feast, I'm expectant for new freedom, new victory, new boldness, new courage, new sleep patterns, new peace, new joy, in Jesus' mighty, glorious name, amen. Okay, so keep your hands lifted up. The first words of the song are about Jesus. He's, do you know he's never lost a battle? That good news, eh? He won, he defeated every single opposition that came against him. He was never rattled, never defeated, and He is with you. He's with you in the battle. So as we sing this, let's make it a declaration of faith for ourselves and for other people who are in our church family. It's gonna be a season of breakthrough in Jesus' name. If you'd lead us, God.